Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckstables? All right, that's it. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me. I'm very excited about things. Things are very exciting. I'm trying to keep that frame of mind. Exciting. Things are good. Things are happening. Things are going to happen. It's not a bad thing. Nervousness is fine. Do not derail yourself over anxious nervousness. Just channel that energy into, yeah, finally, this is going to happen. Not, oh, God, what's going to happen? Here, that's Velcro. I don't even know what these things are. Oh, these are those things that you can wrap wires. Okay, got it. Got it. Not your problem. Let's do some business before I get into this. I'm going to explain to you my side of the James Franco situation. I will have my guest Jason Stewart on here in moments. Interesting guy. Uh, Out uh, gay man who's been doing comedy for a very long time. I've seen his pictures at the comedy store for years. He reached out to me, said, what's up? I said, who, who are you from those pictures? I know your face from all these things. Why don't we talk? You've been around a long time, buddy. Tell me about the struggle. Tell me about the process. So Jason Stewart is here. Lovely man at Crackers in Indianapolis in the broad, the broad ripple club tonight. Uh, that's April 4th. Tomorrow, Friday the 5th, and Saturday the 6th, doing five shows. Come out. I know a lot of you have seen me up in that region, but come on out. I'm, I'm trying to crunch the special. I'm doing the hour-plus thing with the new stuff. Come on, man. Ryan Singer's going to be with me. That's always fun. I'll be in San Francisco at the Palace of Fine Arts April 13th. That's Saturday, 7 o'clock. few tickets left. That's exciting. That's a big old place. I've been getting some uh, emails, I've been seeing some comments about the uh, James Franco episode. Look, this is what happened. You know, you can hear whatever you want to hear on that episode. And I think people made a little bit more of it than it really was. I was heading into South by Southwest. Uh, Harmony and James were a, a, a sort of last minute booking. I was thrilled that they were there. There was even talk that, you know, we would do an hour with them. But uh, in hindsight, that might not have been the best uh, choice. So I think I made the right choice. But uh, sadly, I didn't get to see Spring Breakers till after the interview. And I enjoyed Spring Breakers. I think Harmony's film was great in a lot of ways. There were some things in that movie that you'll never see anywhere else or ever again. And James Franco, I think, gave one of the best performances of his career, no doubt. And uh, I recommend seeing that film. And it's funny. I think you should... You know, look at it as a dark comedy because that's what it is. I don't think it uh, should be misunderstood. That's how I saw it. That's what I'm telling you. All right, so I, you know, I'm doing the live WTF. I got Peter Sago out there. I got Bargetzi out there. Nate Bargetzi, and uh, and I see Harmony and James are there. And before the show, I don't think they knew what they were getting into. I don't think they knew the tone of the show. I got a sense that they were expecting something a little more straight up, not necessarily a comedy show with a big old audience. But that might be just me projecting. So I had a nice chat with Harmony before uh, we got on stage. And then he came out on stage and immediately stopped talking. And it was tricky. So right out of the gate, 
I wanted to talk about his films. I wanted to talk about where he was coming from. And his public persona is sort of like, ah, what? I can't. What? Which is fine. You know, you can present yourself however you want, but I have a respect for the guy. And I think we got a little bit out of him. And then Eddie interrupted me. And that was fine for a few minutes. And that jarred Harmony. I think it might have jarred James a bit. But when James came out, I just want you to know that, look, I am a fan of performance art. I'm an open-minded guy, an open-hearted guy, uh, you know, and I, I encourage any sort of expression. But in my mind, there was a question, you know, as to whether or not, you know, where's James Franco coming from? You know, is is he a prankster? Uh, is it all a performance art piece to him? Uh, what what are some what what are some of the things that drives him around this stuff? These were the questions I wanted to talk to him about. I wanted him to be candid with me. You listen to this show a lot. You know that uh, you know if at 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 base line, you know ground zero of what I do here is that I want to connect with somebody as a person, and and that's what I tried to do. So James came out and immediately sat with his back towards me on stage in front of people. He sat and turned away from me. This was the first, here's James Franco, boom, comes out, sits, turns away from me, so three quarters of his back is to me. And I say, what's up? He goes, well, you're a little close. Okay. This is how I remembered it. I moved away, he turned around, and I began to talk to him. Now, I'm doing a live show. I'm doing a show that, you know, should be a little lighthearted and funny, but yet I'm capable of, you know, getting into serious stuff. And right out of the gate, he was, you know, standoffish. He was difficult. He was judging the situation. I could feel it. And it, it just right from the gate between turning his back on me and then you know being difficult uh, and cagey and um, it just got off to a bad start. So whatever you people are reading as condescension was really you know just me trying to lighten up the situation and get him to relax into just having a conversation. Uh, you know, me making light of things is just me being a comedian and me asking him questions about performance art and about other things. It was not condescending. You do not realize that sitting there with that guy and, you know, acting like I was about to sandbag him somehow or I was about to, you know, belittle him, which I was not trying to do. I was really just trying to connect. I know the guy's a funny guy and I just wanted him to open up a little bit, but it just didn't go that way. It did not go that way. I thought it was good about the stuff about the Oscars and the stuff about Marina Abramovich. Uh, you know, my asking him how he didn't laugh was a reasonable question given the situation. If you watch that show, yeah, I'm not defending anything. I just think the reason why it got awkward is I tried my best with both of those guys just to lighten things up and get them to sort of be loose. But I think the fact that it was a comedy situation and maybe I, you know, I didn't have as pointed a question as I might have uh, uh, needed to get through. We did okay. But at the end, when he said that he used to take himself seriously and I turned to the audience and said used to or whatever I did and made a face like really, that was a reasonable joke to make for anybody who can take a joke. It was not offensive. It was not particularly cutting. It was really pretty lighthearted and he recoiled and almost turned his back on me again in that moment. I just, I'd had enough. So I stopped it. That's what happened. You can think whatever you want, but uh, I know in my heart, all I was trying to do is connect with him to see what he was up to, what he was about, what was a joke, what wasn't a joke to him, you know, where he was coming from around art uh, and, and, you know, how he felt about what he does. That's all I was trying to do, but he made it very difficult. And, uh, you know, the reason it ended awkwardly was I didn't want to get back into it. 
you know, he, you know, I had just gotten him out of his shell a little bit and he made a couple of jokes and then I made one joke and he just went, went back into this sort of like weird posture of defensiveness and, and aloofness. And I was like, fuck it, I'm done. And I was shaken. I was jarred to the point where I couldn't even remember Peter Sagel's name. And then after the show, we were backstage and there was still weirdness. And uh, eventually, you know, he relaxed and it didn't seem weird. He came out and took some pictures and it was okay. But, you know, with somebody who plays a, a role in culture as an actor and then as somebody who, who, who desires to have relevance, you know, in the higher arts, but also is, you know, kind of doing his own performance art piece and letting that reputation, you know, be what defines him outside of his roles in mainstream mo- movies is that, you know, I don't know, did, was I just part of his performance piece? Did I just get fucked with? So you're entering a situation where it's like, who's fucking with who? And, and you know, can we just get to some, you know, in, engagement here that is earnest? And I think there were a couple of moments of that. So despite whatever you think was my disposition, that was what was going on. So think what you will, but that was the situation. Dig? All right. Jason Stewart, who I, I believe we've met maybe a few times. The improv, just in passing. No, no yeah, actual right. chatting. No chatting. But I mean, I've known you and your your photograph on the wall at the comedy store forever, and I, you know, I realize, oh, really? yeah, it's still up there. With, yeah. You know, with hair right. and hope. <laughs> and <what> hair <laughs> and hope. You remember the? It's the picture. That, are we on? Yeah. It's the picture that you have when you you put your hands in your face. You go, oh my god, I'm a comedian. Yeah. You know, sure. it's that. It's your first comedy picture. Yeah. And I'm wearing a leopard jacket. Yeah. And I have the, my hands on my face and my hands tilted to the side and my hair is standing up. Yeah. Because I the joke was I would wear leopard pants and a zebra jacket and spike up my hair and dance in a circle because I didn't want anybody to know I was gay. <laughs> that was the joke. Yeah. But I mean, like my the point is like you you sort of sought me out to do this. Yeah. And Definitely. I was there, was there, was Honest, there. I'll tell you the real truth because I, you know, as a gay guy who's a comic, how long have you been doing it? This is, I'm going in my 30th year. I, I'm getting close to that. <laughs> so we're around the same. Uh, I'm 49. Okay. I'm in that area. And uh, uh, gay guys don't tell our age. Sure. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm in the vicinity. And I, you're a New York guy. I'm an LA guy. So we sort of, our paths have crossed. I bet we worked all the, and we worked a lot of the same clubs during the, during the day. Sure. And you being a more political comedian, me being a gay guy, we probably dealt with a lot of same crap, you know? Right. Well, also I started to think like, well, he's, he's probably mad at me because I have not, I don't know that I've interviewed uh, anybody who's out. You did. The, the, well, the one I started to pursue you and I thought it was, it was because uh, Todd had been on. Yeah. Well, he and came thought, out. Right. So, so I thought, thought to myself, God, he was only a gay comic for half of that right <laughs> exactly I, I you know it's so funny i never knew that todd was gay i never thought about you it. guys are supposed to know no because those guys stay away from me <laughs> seriously they don't he gives me like two seconds and he walks away why do you think because that is? i guess they feel like i can tell through osmosis and i would out him or something anybody who's in the closet doesn't want to have anything to do with me because i'm totally out i mean i totally myself well i well and i i also when you reached out to me i, I realized that uh, i have not because i don't know that many uh, out gay comics because well, it's almost we don't like, mix and I'm sort of that's I, true I'm sort of a guy that's been sort of known for a long being, time yeah for, for being a comic and then also known for being an out and is, I'm a character actor and if anybody wants to get me go to jasonstewart.com S-T-U-A-R-T and uh, I sort of 
you know, when you're gay and you're a guy and you're in the kind, that's a boys club. Yeah. I mean, I did, three years ago, I did um, Bob and Tom with Louis C.K. Sure. Right before, you know, he exploded. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and Louis knew who I was, but I got to tell you, for a second, I didn't know who he was. Uh-huh. Because it's not in my world. I'm not right. in that world of you well, guys. what is your world? Who are your world? I mean, I know Scott Capuro. I used to know, uh, when I lived in San Francisco. He was I, like the biggest when I first started, when I came out. He was one of the first people I did a gig with. So you were not out initially as no, a stand-up? Ten years uh, closeted, scared half to death. Really? You know, fired. Uh, I, I also got fired a year ago too for being gay. But wait, so where did you start? I mean, where'd you grow up? I started uh, born in Los Angeles. I mean, born in New York, in yeah. the Bronx. Moved there when I was a year old. Moved here when you were a year, a yeah, year old my with parents, your family. My parents moved. My father was in the Holocaust, or not the camps, but the. Uh, he was on the other side? He's like the pianist. <laughs> oh, really? He's like that guy, and then the pianist. He was like in all the ghettos and everything. Was he, uh, was he, are you Jewish? Yeah, definitely. 100% so, Russian, Polish, Jew. So he, okay, so he sort of avoided the camps, but lived that horrible life of, of just trying to survive. Yeah, like in the movie The Pianist. Yeah. And, and did you, uh, was that a heavy upbringing? Oh, God, too? it's awful. You, so you, you, it doesn't matter what you're feeling, it doesn't matter. Why? Because it's always like, you don't know what I've been through. Exactly. Your life is great. And you, you should stop crying and stop complaining and stop da 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 And I'm eight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, I just want to know why I can't play with dolls. <laughs> what is it? Did he have more than one reason why you couldn't? Oh, never. And it just, I, your life is great. Shut up. Stop feeling things. Well, you were... <laughs> Was it, was I he, was always too much. Why man. do you have to have so many feelings? Was he? Was he? Uh, Why are you crying? Were you, Why are you a religious man or no? No, no. My my sister became a born again Orthodox Jew. Uh, around 20 years ago and I said dad you know you, why do you how do you feel about this and he said well you know uh, it's good you know that someone's doing this I said why he said because I don't want to do it so we have someone in the family who does it for us and when we all die <laughs> then there'll be somebody who represents us so she's doing it for us she, you know she's like an orthodox ugh, ugh, she's got the the, the, the the hair and the wig and she looks like she walked off the set of Yentl does she have nine kids oh it's, uh, it's four it's like the road company of Fiddler on the Roof right she can't get out yeah yeah you know they keep having to do the show you know it's like it's really crazy she well, doesn't what, speak to me what did your old man do though like when he moved out here what was the business he was the vice president of a necktie manufacturing company oh what kind of necktie neckties that's yeah. old school jewish mata business. oh yeah definitely what's the only thing you know he can't he is the american dream mm -hmm. he came to this country in 1949 not being able to speak english started working a, 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 as a cleanup guy uh, you know basically in in a tie factory learned to cut ties became the manager he he learned a way to cut ties uh do the pattern so that it would be faster he came be, became very well known in new York and they mm -hmm. offered him a job in LA he moved to LA and then the whole family followed and everything just went crazy it was yeah. in a good way oh no 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 <laughs> my mother the whole it's all my mother uh, of course married him when she was 17 she was pregnant in in wherever poland or wherever no, she married she's a, a brooklyn born jewish woman you know poured and what your, your old man's from what poland or? poland yeah stanislaus a yeah. little town called stanislaus and my mom was poor brooklyn trash with parents that were completely insane but my, jewish yeah looks sort of like barbara streisand meets marilyn monroe uh -huh. and had an affair with her second husband the butcher for probably the 15 years out of the 22 marriage. And, uh, you know. So like, she was fucking the butcher. Oh, yeah. But we, oh, we can say that. I forgot. And of course, we had a freezer in the garage. So my father never said anything because we got all free meat all the but time. But he knew? Oh, I think he knew, yeah. And it was worth it for the meat. I don't know. He got caught. They all lived in their own fantasy world. And they, well, how did it blow up? How old were uh, you? I think I was 17 when it all happened. I really didn't know what was going on exactly, but I knew that both of my parents had affairs because my mother had an affair with Marty Cove, who used to be on Cagney and Lacey, because um, my friend Joey Santos, who I grew up, his yeah. father was Joe Santos, who was, who was on Rockford Files, uh -huh. and used to hang out at their house. So I actually... In, 
in, introduced some, through me one of my mother's affairs. My mother had a lot of affairs. Uh-huh. She was really hot. And when she walked down the block when I was a kid, people would say things like, oh, my God, here comes your mother. Here comes Gloria. You know, hold on to your husband. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's, I got a hot mom, you'd too. Want it's you'd, hard. You'd it's hard. Oh, no. It never bothered me at all. I mean, it's my it, whole act. It, oh, really? Yeah. It's, it, are you kidding? If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be funny. Well, I mean, it's just like as a kid and knowing that you, know, that you have this sort of like overly sexualized mother, like your friends would come over and they want to fuck her. It, it was a- I got to tell you, you know, for me, the thing is my parents- my father taught me how to take care of myself. My mother taught me how to be sex, sexy and, and to be funny. Yeah. I got the best from all of them, even and though they were completely insane. So you've got no ill will? No, I have a lot of forgiveness. That's the way I live with my family. How long did that take? Uh, forever. Okay. Yeah. My so dad just was... passed away recently, too. He passed away in uh, February, February 25th this year. Now, when did you come out to them? I was in my 20s, my early 20s. And they didn't know? Um, my, on, mother, my mother, my mother, my mother. Somehow, we set up the question. I was at, I was having lunch with her in Beverly Hills, and I set up the question with her. And she she asked me. She says, "Well, have you ever had sex with a guy?" I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Well, what do you mean? What do I mean?" <laughs> and uh, that's what happened. And uh, and she, it's like now she calls me. And I said, "Mom, I met this really great guy." And she goes, "She goes, is he gay?" <laughs> Of course he's gay. That's the most important part. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't know. I, I said, Mom, I came out to you 25 years ago. She says, I forgot. <laughs> so it no longer matters. You know, all this. Now it's, Most now, things stop mattering yeah, after, my, over time. My mom actually stopped dating somebody because he didn't like gay people. But you know, when you started doing comedy, I think that the the uh, the the family story is very interesting because there's a, a dynamic in Jewish families where you just have this loud, crazy bullshit going on all the time. Oh, twenty four seven. And you and it takes you years to sort of like decode what was really going on. I mean, do you like were you uh, when you were growing up? Did you find that? Your parents was your mother's, you know, yeah, sort of so selfish that you, you felt neglected. Selfish, yeah, selfish. I don't think I existed. <laughs> I was, I was, I was there to watch her put on her hair and makeup. I mean, lyrically, we used to. Do sing, I look fat? Oh no, please. Do I? Uh, not, that was the not even. No, I don't think my mother even cared. I think my mother would spend around literally thirty minutes at least just to put the hair on and the you know the that girl eyelash or the thing. There's a lot and, more work back oh, then. Oh yeah. And we had this bathroom in our house in the center of the house that yeah. had a big makeup table in it. And I would sit on the toilet you know, on the on the little furry toilet thing yeah. and just sort of wait there. Mom, come on already. Yeah. You know, come on, clip that on. You know, yeah. I, I knew exactly how to do her hair. I could do it faster than she could because I'd watch her so many times we couldn't leave the house until she was completely dressed for her work as a prostitute somewhere. <laughs> so it was like it was like I was getting she was getting ready to she's like working. I mean, all the guys would tease me all the time about her. Which guys? Oh, all my friends, you know. When did you know you were gay? I never knew I was gay. I once asked me when I knew I was straight. When did you know you were straight? I knew that I wasn't straight. <laughs> In 1971, coming home on the bus from Westside Jewish Center Camp, Michael Jackson's song, mm-hmm. ABC, was playing on my transistor radio, and I saw the kids, you know, coupling up, and I said, oh, man, this is not going to be me. i got to find a wife, because yeah. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> I knew that it was bad. Because what, do you, I, what do you mean it wasn't you? I you looked know. up in the World Book Encyclopedia. Do you remember you those? You saw a bunch of kids making out. Oh, yeah, and I And thought, you were like, This what? is not happening for me. And with anybody? I just knew that... I, you have to realize that in those days, for those listening... We didn't know what gay meant. I looked up in the World Book Encyclopedia Homosexual. It said mentally ill. You know, I was so like, what, so what you're, I was well, how, so you're not going to tell me you're right. So you're a little older than me. So No, you know, I'm it, not. All right. 
not much. But uh, I'm in the same age. Group. Okay, fine. The same age. This is group, so hard, Jason. It's not, it's not hard. It is. You it's look so great. Hard. You it's, look great. It's so hard to get old. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. I hate you for saying it. I hate for being. I wish that it could have stopped at 39 because that's what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> but okay, but we're talking probably okay the late 60s. Uh, yeah, I would say I. I this all happened in the 70s. Okay, I mean, this is in the early 70s. So you're having feelings uh, that 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 are unusual. Or they, weren't unusual, they weren't unusual to me. I right. knew who I was. I right. just didn't have a name for it. Right. I always knew who I was. I was in love with Alan Tavelman who lived across the street. I, I remember I wear my watch on my right hand because the coach, Dwight, who was the noon aide, I had a crush on, and he was the only one that ever talked to me. Where was this? This was in Hancock Park Elementary School. Uh-huh. I just knew that I liked guys, and yeah. I didn't really think about it until someone told me it was bad. Yeah. And you got the message from all your people. So when you looked it up and it said... Uh, so I looked up... Somehow I heard the word homosexual yeah. on uh, PM Magazine. Mm-hmm. I heard there was a transsexual on named Carrie or Carney who was a singer. Yeah. And she was talking about her feelings and that she thought she was homosexual. And I thought, oh man, that's me. And I remember looking it up in the World Book Encyclopedia, the Britannica, is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, sure. And we had that. Everybody had one when we were yeah, kids, because yeah, that yeah, was yeah. what it's the just, internet was. No one looked at it. Yeah, it was just on the shelves, all the brown But volumes, I opened yeah. it up, and I looked up Lucille Ball, yeah. and then I also looked up Homosexual. <laughs> and Did it say and, homosexuals love Lucille Ball? Yeah, and Barbara Streisand. Those are the three things I looked up. There was nothing on Barbara Streisand at that time, but there was a thing right. on Lucille Ball right. from the 40s when she yeah. married Desarnez, and it said homosexual, and it said mentally ill. Slapped that book shut and yeah. never opened it again. Right. Because I thought, that's it. Who wants to be mentally ill? Right. You know, I was already picked on so much as a kid and beat up and followed. But when did you school. find uh, what you were beat up for, for what? Oh, for, for being me? gay. Yeah. Right from the, the oh, but they knew that already or they just, or was it just they knew it before I knew it. Or, they, knew it be, you... they knew it before I knew it. So they were calling you gay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what it was. Huh. I didn't know what it was. And when did you find any sort of comfort in the lifestyle? I mean, how, how um, did that evolve? At 21, I went to Suicide Prevention Center. And for years, I used to talk about it as I went there because I didn't have any money because I was just an actor. To work? Time. Yeah. I didn't have any money to go to therapy because I wouldn't take money from my family and I was living on my own. And I went and I called the Suicide Prevention Center. I think I called twice before I actually went there. And I think that I was and I didn't... Um, you went. You called because you were suicidal? Yeah. But I, at the time, I didn't... It's funny. I, it took me a long time to admit that. But this was a place you could oh, go. It's really, just a phone because number. Because when now, I was I 18, yeah. I remember I'd said, I'm not going to have sex with men because I'd had sex with men from the time I was 16. That and was I, the first time you had sex with yeah, a dude? Yeah. And I remember I said, when I moved out on my own, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm starting fresh. I'm 18. I'm starting my acting No more career. men. No more. I'm going to be straight. And I had my girlfriend, Lisa, who I'd been with for from the time I was 16 until I was 21, Lisa Beanie. If she's listening, I doubt it. But um, She was your girlfriend. Yeah. And girlfriend. you would have sex with her too. Yeah. And, I re- and you were able to do that. Yeah. He, she was the only one. <laughs> yeah. Because she'd always say no. Right. And for some reason- That was it? Yeah. yeah. So I knew that I didn't really have- And it was sort of crazy. It's all crazy. What? Explain that to me. I think that- um, God, I haven't talked about this in so long. Um, you had this girlfriend- I had, I've had it, sex with five or six girls in my time. But you knew she was- wait. Every other girl I had a problem getting it up with. Right. But with her, I did not. And mm-hmm. I don't. And I think it's because she didn't want me to because she, I think, this is so personal to talk about, but I doubt she's going to listen. She, God bless you, Lisa, if you're there. She, I think she had had something terrible happen to her. I won't uh-huh. say what, because it's not my place to say it. But I think, you know, so long ago, I think something terrible had happened to her. Uh-huh. And I think I felt that I was this guy. It's sort of who I've become now. It's sort of this masculine- 
daddy kind of figure to uh-huh. her. And uh-huh. that's something that I'm really comfortable with. So and if there's any boys out there, you know, I'm sure. Now you're, candy. you're apologizing to her and you're reaching out to it. Yeah, to, for those 20, 30 something. To guys. the misguided youth yeah. who are. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm a bit of I, a, my, I'm, I'm a bit of a daddy. It doesn't matter about I age. get that too. I, I mean, look, I'm dating a woman who's 29 and I, I feel that, uh, I feel I have that. I don't know if I'm a good father. But yeah. <laughs> but it, she does say, Daddy. <laughs> So this, so you're able to have sex with her, and she was your girlfriend. But did you know in your mind that you you were just sort of it was a charade or no? Oh, I knew that I, you know, it's not clear because I was so messed up then. Yeah, I don't have a clear. I thought that were you I, on the drugs. No, I had to do it. Yeah, I had to do it. You had to make it. It was like you were trying to. You train know, being yourself. a heterosexual, I wrote a piece recently about yeah. it that I did in Don't Tell My Mother which is so funny that we're talking about this. I wrote it, it was called The Dating Game. Mm-hmm. And it was about how I went to the date on The Dating Game with Lisa. Mm-hmm. And, you did? Oh yeah, because the girl on The Dating Game wouldn't go out with me. Mm-hmm. Because I was so crazy, you know, and I was- uh, you, were a, you, were a, you were a bachelor on, on The, the dating, dating Game. And I won. Because <laughs> you're funny. Now, people don't realize that that was a big showcase for comics oh, at that time. Oh, it was nuts, nuts. Like, huh? a lot of comics did it. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, uh, God, everybody. Well, everybody it, was it still with the original host? Who was that host? Uh, uh, Jim Lang. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was early on. Yeah. Because I know they sort of redid it uh, later. That's I the one I was on. I was on the redo, but okay. it was still with him. Yeah, I remember that kooky girl that booked that, because I seemed to... I remember... You going, were on it, too? No, I went out for it. I didn't get on. <laughs> I could see you because you're so cool. I always think of you and Louis C.K. You guys are all so cool. I don't you're know You're in this about world. That. Oh, come on. You're in this world with Dave Rath and Dave Becky and all these guys that just think you guys are like, you know, Jesus, you uh-huh. know, and I'm some gay guy off to the side. They go, what the fuck is that? I don't get it. Yeah. You know, I don't get what he's doing. You yeah. know, I don't even get what I'm doing. I'm so uncool. I, uh, well, I don't know that that's uh, like, I, I don't know that we're cool. It was just sort of at that time. Well, you speak time. to them. You Something. speak to them. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. they're just comedy managers, really. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you speak to them, and that's what that's about. But I think that's, that, that's why that's that's why I wasn't you didn't call me to be on your show, honestly, because you guys are all in this like group of people that speak to each other through your comedy. For me, I speak to the disenfranchised people. That's my audience. I, I definitely not, speak not, to the disenfranchised. I, I but I, but you know, and mine I, I are don't, the other ones. But I don't know that, that yours Louis are the cool are. ones. See, to me, your disenfranchised are cool. I, I don't know if that's you're true. all I smoking think that, cigarettes. You got this cool house. You're all drinking, and you did LSD for a couple years, and you came back. And, but but on some level, you're you're. Your, you your guys, world is very cool as well. You, 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 it doesn't you, feel it. I, I have really? to. I have to. I, my, my my guys all love Margaret Cho and Kathy Griffin, and I'll do a Why show. Why is that? Uh, I'll do a show, and some guy will go, "Ooh!" And I go, "Look, if I were Margaret Cho or Kathy Griffin, you'd be masturbating in a circle." So shut the fuck up. Nice. What is it with the with the diva camp thing? You know, why? I am, why do I am you... done with it. <laughs> I am done. I am. I don't want to stand behind Lady Gaga and let her talk for me. I'm probably not as you know. I probably have uh, pissed off some people, but I don't want women speaking for me. But I what? love Kathy and I love Margaret and they're great. But I don't want. I don't want someone speaking for me. I want to speak for myself. I mean, this is what this is about. This year is about for me in a very very big way. This year is about. This is my twentieth year. In twenty thirteen, it'll be twenty years since I came out on the Geraldo show. They did a big thing with Paul Mooney and me. Unconventional. Comedians. He didn't come out. No, no. He he's, <laughs> came out as an angry black man twenty years ago. Um, I didn't say anything. I don't know anything. I don't even know who I am right now. Okay. This show's way too popular to make a mistake about anything. I know nothing about Paul. Nothing. Uh, 
Kathy uh, <clears throat> Buckley was on who was hearing impaired and Sandy Church who was a little person and Sheila Kay who lost a lot of weight and was a woman and Paul Mooney came out as being where it was okay to be angry and black. But did, you, but did that upset you? Because that's pathologizing homosexuality as well. I mean, these people were dealing with like, you know, a hearing impairment, an anger problem. No, I was problem. so thrilled to right. be able to be on a TV show and someone to give a shit that I lived or died. I was a nervous wreck. I thought my whole career would be over but I was so depressed. I was so depressed on not being able to move on in my career you know, when I started, they didn't want me around. Everybody didn't want me around. They just said, you know, I remember Freddie Asparagus. Do you remember him? Sure. Passed away. God bless him. He used to grab my ass all the time. I don't know how many guys that you guys treated me like I was a sex object almost, except I didn't get to have sex with anybody. Yeah. All the grabbing and the pushing and the teasing. It was like going to public school all over again. Yeah, but that wasn't, it wasn't malicious. Um, it didn't matter. It felt that way. Hmm. Because you also didn't call me to work with you. Right. You know, I had to call you. You guys. have to stop speaking to me directly. I yes. was not one of them. No. <laughs> but I mean, I wasn't a part of that school. I had to do everything myself. You know who really helped me? Who? Was Vince Champ, the guy who raped all those girls on the college campuses. I remember Vince. And went to prison. Yeah. That's the guy that helped me. That's the guy who helped me get jobs first on the road. And I was completely taken aback when I heard how terrible. I did one of my first middle weeks with Vince. You know who he is. I, well, he was, let me, for oh my, my listeners, God. he was a, a comic who uh, he's known like the game show comedian? That's what they call. He was it. a black comic that that was very um, whiteish in, in his those delivery. Days. In, yeah, now you a, see comics. Are, there's no line for that as much. I no, but think. I mean, he was definitely At not time, not was, doing what you would call like a, a not black Def Jam, com- right? Not, not but that he was, kind it of, was very mainstream and almost hacky. I mean, he did he did some hacky. yeah he did some props. But it turns out that you know he would tour colleges and there were a string of rapes. Uh, that were very brutal and horrible, and it they, was shocking and to the, the comedy community. We well, were the, like, right, he was the, the nicest guy, right?" And the way they caught him was bizarre because it was on a radio show, right? He was someone heard him, a victim heard a radio show that he was promoting an, a, a college gig on or something. And I had heard from Elliot Threat, who was his best friend, that he had done this and he had his book, and he actually was on a cruise and came back. To do this, to do a college gig, it's almost like he wanted to get caught. I would probably, I, I would think psychologically that was probably true, but it was a string of brutal words. I think he's still in prison. Or oh yeah, he is. Yeah. Elliot and I, Elliot calls me once in a while. I talked to him recently, but he helped you out so much. It was really weird. I'm teasing it to you guys at home. I'm teasing about you guys, and I say it to be funny. No, it's okay. But I it mean, was, look, I say I'll, it as a joke, I'll, but I'll, I really, I sort of felt that way at the time. I don't feel that way now. I'll take the hit, and, I, and I'll try to speak, you know, from my own point of view, uh, in terms of like when I lived in San Francisco, um, you know, w- at the comedy store. I don't remember there being. I was only a doorman for like a year. So I, do, I didn't spend a lot of time there and you weren't there when I was there. But I was there during the 80s a lot. I was there in, in eight, I, I was there in uh, I probably 87. Cro- I paths probably crossed. I was living up in Crest Hill. I, I was remember doing- hanging out with you once at the improv when I was, I was in the 90s. I was at the improv a lot. Yeah. You know, and then I aged out. And <laughs> But I was like sort of fascinated and excited by, you know, when I was in San Francisco and Sabrina Matthews was uh, oh, you know, she starting. Was great. She was great. Scott Capuro, uh, Mark, uh, what was that guy's name? Mark Davis. Mark Davis. Um, and then Scott yeah. got really well known in England. Because um, he pushes it, man. He did. Uh, he, yeah, he, he was really way past 
a lot of comfort zones for people. Yeah. Sabrina now lives- And who was that guy that got MS that was like, you know- the oh, Bob Smith. Bob Smith was like the well-known, like the first You know what's sort so funny is all these accessible guys- Accessible gay yeah, comic. Somebody wrote to me the other day, uh, uh, some fans, and they said- Is guys, he still he, around? Yeah, he is in New York. Is I, he all right? He's doing okay, is Good. what I hear. You know, none of these guys, I'm like great friends. Sabrina and I were quite friendly for a what while. What happened to her? She moved to the West Coast. I think she made a girl and moved to the- East Coast? East Coast, I'm sorry. Yeah. East Coast. She's still she, doing it? Because she she's was still doing, funny, man. She's still doing it occasionally. She, you know, I think a lot. I think it's what's really interesting about being openly gay is that there's been a ceiling for us. Oh, absolutely. You know, and 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 I feel like, you know, because I, how I, do you transition out without being stereotypical or, or doing yourself a disservice? How do you become more mainstream? It's so funny. I've never felt not mainstream because I started in the mainstream clubs. But you were so. Tell me about I've, the closeted period. I've also, the, I've all, I started for ten years. I worked clubs. I was a middle act. I worked. What the, the hell bonds. were you talking about? I talked about being Jewish. I talked about my family. Talked about pop culture. I talk about the same things now, except I didn't talk about you know um, dating or, or my sex life or how I felt about it. Out of it. fear? Oh my God! Not <laughs> fears. I, I didn't know I could. What do you mean you didn't know you who, could? Who, uh, until I, I remember seeing Leah Delaria's picture in the paper in San Francisco. I remember her. I was, uh, it was, a, it, she had this uh, picture of her. It said, Bull in a China, Dyke in a China shop. Yeah. And I remember seeing it, and it was 1991 or 92, and I was middling at Cobb's for Stephanie Hodge. Margaret Cho was the opening act. Stephanie Hodge. And who was that big uh, lesbian act who was, you know, that's, very, that's not Le- Leah Delaria. No, there was another one that almost. Oh, Kate Clinton. Kate Clinton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. she was real, but she was also she was in the lesbian world. Right. She was not even connected to mainstream. Right. I've always been in the mainstream. I've always pursued my acting career at the same time. I saw that movie you were in. That was you had a very big part in the the date movie. Uh, was you it, watched Ten Attitudes? No, no. It was like, a, so was it called a Guy Date or First Date? Or it was a, weren't you in a film where it was, I can't remember. Yeah, it's called Ten Attitudes. And I produced the film. It was, it's 12 years old about how difficult it was for a 30 something guy to fall in love. I did it totally improvised pre Larry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. it. I saw it. I think I saw it at a, at a festival. And, and it wow. was really, and you were I'm really, impressed. You were really good in that. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> it, was, that, it was sort of uncomfortable and heartbreaking, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's partly my story, yeah. pieces. Everything has a little bit of yeah, my story. Yeah, yeah. That's so neat. I can't believe you saw it. <laughs> I did. Wow. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. But uh, It must have been at a film festival because we did a lot of them. We won quite a bit of them. Uh-huh. We, did, we, we won the Barcelona Best uh, uh, Comedy or something, and then we won Philadelphia. We got the Critic Prize. And it was, it was filmed so badly, and the sound was so bad because we did it like in the early 2000s before anybody had the cameras they have yeah. now. And we, and we did it as an experiment. It was, it was supposed to be called Dating. And uh, the director, it was smarter than me, this guy named Michael Gallant, and he made this a, a full-length movie. Yeah. Judy Tenuta was in it. Yeah. Alexander Paul from Baywatch and Jim J. Bullock and oh, David Faustino and a lot of people. Yeah, it's no. So it was, funny. Yeah. That, and why would you go to see it? I'd You're be, so cool. I'm already, I'm, I'm digging so, you. So now I'm cool in a different way. See, yeah. now I'm not I the, don't know the alienating cool. Now. I'm afraid of you guys, but I want to be on your Here team. Here I am, you guys again. I'm you guys again. Listen, I've had a rough time. I, you have know, you? I, sure I have. I mean, I ended up- No, uh, let me just say, I, let me, because you're so cool at this. You're so good at this. I'm already like, I'm so excited. Okay. What? Um, you, I, I, I've not had the hardest time. I'm really sort of lucky in a way. Yeah. I mean, I'm a gay guy. I'm way, way over 40. I've done a lot of film and television. I've been in, I mean, I, on IMDb, someone called, I'm like close to 100 
as an actor. So I've done a lot. Of, I'm really lucky. I'm not complaining. Yeah, you've worked a lot. I looked at your thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. And I've gotten to play straight guys in the last couple of years. So things, because, you know, I'm too old to play gay. I'm aged out. There are no gay people over 40. All right. Well, let's get, let, let me get back to a couple of questions I, 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 I need I need answers to personally. Okay. Um, what, what is it, what does, what determines, and just speak for yourself, I'm not asking you to, to speak for the gay community, but what determines the popularity of, of these female performers like Kathy and like Margaret? You know like- what it is? I, I, I can tell you what it is because my first comedy album was called Gay Comedy Without a Dress. Yeah. And I did it in Provincetown because all the drag queens and all the, you know, girls like Margaret Cho and Kathy Griffin were so popular. And they all came, they would come to you, my show. You have to work so hard to get them and they'd love you. But to get them there was so hard. They were more interested in naked boys singing yeah. or, or, you know, something with a girl wearing a dress, whether right. it be a, a straight woman or a drag queen. Right. And I thought to myself, what is it? And I fi- finally figured out what it is. I think it's the idea that if a guy is funny... He's no longer sexy because for us, sex is really serious. We don't fuck around for gay guys. Oh my god, yeah, it, it's, it's sex is serious. We don't laugh and fuck around and, and during sex. You know, we get in there. No. We, you know, it's just come on. You know, do, shut, your, shut your mouth. Do what you're told. You know, kind of thing. Whereas, There's no laughing. Oh no, not not at all. No, yeah. Daddy's here. I've got candy. The whole thing. Come on, come on, come on. You know, we are really. You know, uh-huh. like I always say in my act, I'm not one of those little fruity gay guys that yeah. run around and uh, that you guys think that you see on TV. I'm the guy that just sort of gets you, and you're begging for more. <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. Whereas, does it whereas, say, uh, does it say top on your business card? It, it should say it, but uh, you know, because uh, we've gotten a little specific there, haven't we? Sure. Uh, you know all the terms. Um, <laughs> I know a couple. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, not that I haven't on occasion. Here we go. Now we can talk about it. Now, yeah. now, now, maybe I'll get a little more PR than Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but I think that what happens is that gay guys feel that their comedy, which comes out feminine, is a more feminine thing at times. Yeah. Because you're sort of flippant and, and, and stuff comes out through. So you have to do it through the auspices of being a woman uh-huh. to be accepted. So you're saying that most gay comedy has been the uh, the femi version. I think so. Uh-huh. When you see that it's, that seems to be the joke right. to to straight people. I, to Whereas straight I people. have okay. in the but last what, five years people. have have sort of embraced the masculine side of myself, uh-huh. embraced the bear world, embraced the leather world, uh-huh. and embraced the the masculinity within myself since I turned. F- late 30s 40s with your material as well and just as a person Uh you know to i I almost felt forced into femininity as a kid because if you're in love with barbara streisand who are you left to be but robert redford you don't have an identity you don't know who you are you know what i mean (laughs) you just know you're in love with barbara streisand right but build a personality around that exactly but if you're no but but if you're in love with robert redford and you're not in love with her and you don't want to have sex with you you who are you left but to be her Uh uh-huh you're left to be her, so you wind up being a woman because you don't exist. Uh-huh. So that's also a part of it too. Is if you, if I am attracted to you, Mark, and I mm-hmm. think you're sort of hot and sexy, who am I? Who am I in mm-hmm. the world? I, I, I don't. If there's no, you're smart and, and but, but, clearly but if, right. Yeah, but if there's no, <laughs> but if there's no reality anywhere of me seeing a woman, right? You know, uh, you know, seeing a man and a man fall in love together if you don't see that growing up i think it's changing i mean i've been allowed to work and i've been allowed to have a career for you know this is it'll be 30 years as a comedian in uh uh june of 2013 i'm sorry may of 2013 in june of 2013 it will be 20 so you're saying that that as an open gay artist to the to to address the the sort of 
ridiculous straight guy question that I ask is that uh, gay men are entertained by these over-the-top female personalities. I because think it's, it's not in- just gay men. I think it's everyone is. Well, no, I mean, but I like I, I, there, there are certain performers that, that you know, female performers that, that really are part of the gay community. And it's because they, they are over the top and take femininity to, you know, beyond anything that uh, to drag is street, mainstream. Lady to, Gaga, right. certainly a drag queen status. Right. But I think that there are so few of those. No, no, they, but they're icons. There's but a, not as, other than Lady Gaga, who has become that in the last, maybe I guess Beyonce, but she's also crosses over. I think it's no longer just for us. Right. Kind of a thing anymore. I think straight people. But I think along. that also, uh, that speaks to what you're saying is that it's become more comfortable to be uh, to be out and to be and, and to be gay and to be public, yeah, that you don't need definitely. The, I mean, these, they did a thing on secret societies they did that revolve a thing around on drag CNN queens recently on the mm-hmm. situation with Wolf Blitzer show where I did last week. I did an, a bit uh, where I su- came in to talk because I'm the chairman of the Screen Actors Guild after LGBT committee, and I started that seven years to support openly gay actors. So we would have a place to talk about our problems and to move to the next level. People Does it would, function? Does it? I mean, is it a yeah, big I'm, group? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm the chairman. Uh huh. And I, I, the but coach, how many members? I mean, uh, it's not about well. There's the people that are on the list. There's probably the thousand yeah. of actors who, mm-hmm. have, who have who are part of it. It mm-hmm. doesn't work like we're you know there's a, there's the chair committee and then there's the, right. the committee committee. It's the way the whole thing works at SAG after and you, we do all these stuff. We we at first there was no we didn't exist in this SAG after contracts. We didn't exist where all the minorities do, black, older people, people with disabilities. We weren't even there, so mm-hmm. I, which I didn't know. So first I had to get us to exist, and I had to redo the medical insurance to make sure that we're covered in the same way that we're covered in the country, which mm-hmm. a lot of people say, well, they don't treat you the same at SAG. It's not SAG. It's the country. We mm-hmm. don't get the same insurance. And then uh, the idea- In terms of uh, Medical couples? coverage. Couples. It's yeah. mostly couples yeah. and, ch- and the couple's children. Right. As single people, it doesn't matter because right. single is single. Right. Um, and then we started doing, to me, I started doing it selfishly, honestly, because I'm an actor. I'm an artist. I don't see myself as just a gay person. I see myself as an actor who plays parts. So I started p- pursuing a career in trying to get different kinds of work, but also being realistic yeah. in what I can play. And if I uh, if I can't play that, I have to work on it and do that and and change my voice or, or change the but way I move. But it took you a while to evolve out of of self typecasting and also industry typecasting. Get the co- get the confidence because you know how it is. People are ready to tell you no. That's their job. Sure. You know, you go into an office. They, it's like they're looking. They're looking. Show me, right? Show me why I shouldn't hire you. Well, I just saw that documentary on the guy who wrote the celluloid closet. That uh, what's his name? Vito Russo. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. I mean, like what? What a genius funny, that guy I was. Gotta, I got to rush. Yeah, when you say that guy's name. Yeah, because he's an icon for us. It was. It was I, is a guy I, who I had no idea yeah, he, who he was. He, if he, I'm talking three weeks ago, I saw this documentary. Yeah. I'm like this guy changed everything. Yeah, it's him, Harvey Milk. Yeah, people like Robin Tyler, who was the first Kramer. Uh, is he in there? Uh, Larry Kramer, yeah. definitely to the yeah. point of of being hated by people. Well, that the 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 celluloid closet and and for him to make that case of 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 homophobia and and typecasting by going through so meticulously and obsessively going through like every movie ever was is mind well it's you know what it was it's 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 like when i was a kid i wanted to be an actor that's a passion total and then when i was told that i couldn't because of who i was in so many different ways it became um 
like 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 a mission to be able to do this for me to do what I want to do. So when I started this committee, I thought to myself, you know, I I can do this for myself, but I can also do this for other people. So other people don't have to go through what I went through. And then I thought to myself, God, somebody said somebody asked me this question last year when I was this year rather. I forget it's not next year yet. When I was uh, working at the Laugh Factory in Chicago, I was doing an interview with a paper, and he said, "When someone gets to break the ground like you did, do you get to walk on it?" Yeah. And I said, well, sometimes, no, I don't. And then I started to think about that. This was in August, and now it's December. And I was thinking about this, and I, I said, I want to change that. I want to be a guy that gets to walk on the ground. I don't want to fall to the side and, and let everybody else who's younger than me you know, just do it and not me. I, I want other people to do it. I want to make everybody's lives easier. That's, that, that's service is a, part of, a big part of what I do in my life as a person. But I also want to be able to be a part of it. I don't want to be left out in some old guy that all of a sudden, oh, did you hear Jason Stewart like, was the one and then now he's dead? Well, let's know? talk about that, that genera- the generational difference in, in relationship to when you decided and why you decided to come out. I mean, because it seems to me that on the timeline, if you spend 10 years, uh, you know, closeted and talking about your mother and pop culture, you know, where, you know, how did uh, your decision to come out, because it seems like it's right around the time that Kramer and Russo and ACT UP and, and, and that type it was, of stuff it was, was happening. You know what it was? I was in San Francisco, your town where mm-hmm. you were living, and I heard Bill Clinton on TV. You're getting me really emotional. Man, I was watching Bill Clinton on TV, and I remember, um, I remember him saying, we need everybody's help. And I never heard anybody talk like that, ever, on television. Who's running for president? He said, gay people, Jewish people, everybody. And I just went, wow, I've got to do this. And I was working at the uh, cops. It was yeah. my first time there, not the second the time. The one down in the cannery? With, with that guy, Tom Sawyer. Sure. Who would tell you what was wrong with your act right oh, yeah, to your yeah, face. Yeah. I tagged your bits while you were up there. You wanted, Yeah, sure. <laughs> and he would like, he was like, so, the guy was like on you. you oh, know? yeah, yeah. He's, he drove he, me completely crazy. He's mellowed. Well, so was it, the, yeah, was it the, the one down in the cannery? Yeah, yeah it was when it was there. Great room, great room. And then room. I went back there again, and he... Uh, I, I, and I thought, why won't he let me headline? Because yeah. I was starting to headline. Yeah. And he wouldn't let me headline. And, yeah. and uh, I starting headline was in the early uh, 90s. And I and he's, and he, I said, this is San Francisco. You know, I'm going to come out and do... He says, you know, he says, well, gay people don't come to this area. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I started to say, man, I got to find a way to but be... But you were out already or you weren't? No, I was thinking about yeah. it. You know, I was testing the waters. It was frightening at that time. You know, no, there was no Ellen. There was no Neil. There was no Rosie. The, the only person was out with the funny gay guys, you know. Sure. Uh, I those, those guys, guys. Bob Smith and his yeah. group. Yeah. And uh, Mark, da- I didn't even know Mark Davis. Yeah. I didn't even know Is he Leah still Dan. around? I think he's dropped out of what I've heard. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I, I haven't seen him around in years. I used to like him. He was a little kooky, but he, he oh, wasn't, very. wasn't quite he, sure what he was doing up there, but he always dressed well. He was <laughs> really brilliantly, I think, interesting reference comedian details. He was sure. really funny. I mean, it was so many, so many good people. And I, now, was your fear that you would be sort of like then just... Uh, I, my fear was I never get to act again because there were no gay roles at that time uh-huh. and every, and even now most of the gay couples on TV unless it was about a gay problem and then that was with a big star who was straight that was that Oscar <laughs> right. turn you know? right 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 you know 
but as a comic, I mean, were you afraid that like, well, if I start doing this on stage, then then I will be I will be owned. You've gotten me so emotional. That's good, Uh, isn't it? Yeah, I just didn't expect that. Were you afraid that you would be sort of owned by the gay community then? No, there was no gay community to be owned. People used to ask me, "Did you do all the gay clubs?" There were no gay clubs. But there was a gay community. Yeah, but they they, they, this didn't exist. We're not talking about nineteen sixty. Twenty years ago, there was no gay anything. In terms of, uh, there was know, San Francisco. Yeah, but there was no gay jobs for an actor or a comedian. There was no place for us. Right. There was nobody hiring us. There was maybe some gay prides, but they would hire the and they still do it. They hire the disco girl singers, straight girl singers. They get paid all the money, and it's very hard for what I call middle class actors and comedians to get paid to work. You know, like uh, it didn't happen. And then through the '90s, as I came out, I started to do all that kind of stuff. Well, when did you come out? What was '93? And uh, do you remember the show? Yeah, Geraldo. Right, but I mean on stage as a comic. Oh, okay, I can tell you that. The first time I tried it out was on the RSVP Cruises. and The RSVP Cruises? Which a, is the gay cruises. Okay. And it was in the middle of the ocean, and I didn't have an act uh-huh. for gay people. Yeah. Didn't know. You that, just took the job. Yeah, because they said, I thought I'm going to try this. And I thought, oh, it, it didn't occur to me, this is how completely stupid I was, that I'd have to talk about being gay to be gay. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have an idea. I just thought I had to be funny. So then Bud Freeman, God bless him, called me to headline an AIDS benefit in Chicago at the Improv. And Scott Caporo was the middle act and he was pissed at me because he had been out way before me. But I was more famous in the comedy world and mm-hmm. I had been headlining. Uh-huh. And, and Scott had not been known in this world. He uh-huh. was just a San Francisco comic right. and was gay. Yeah. And we headlined this benefit and I started to talk about being gay. I riffed and improved and my whole life changed that day. I, I thought, bet. oh my God, what's I get to talk about what's going on with me. Uh-huh. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't understand that. Yeah. I also come from being an actor. Uh-huh. That's my roots. So I also thought of my stand up as a character, like Judy Tenuta or Pee Wee Herman or that kind of thing. When I started, I had all sorts of crazy outfits and I would had this kind of weird voice that I would talk in and I didn't really understand. You know, remember the eighties were quite different. You had but your a, your intention was never to be a comic. Never. No. Really? Jerry Seinfeld will probably take a gun out and shoot me right now. Well, you were one of those guys that's sort of like, this is a way to get seen. I thought that that's what would happen and that someone would find me because God, this is because I believe that God- And then you God, got stuck as a comic. And then I went on the road for 20 years <laughs> and got real, and, well, I could make money. Yeah, that because bitch I, in the ass, didn't it? Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I could make money though as a comic and I couldn't get arrested as an actor. Yeah. I mean, I remember. When did, how old did you when you started doing comedy? Oh, I was in my. Well, I didn't start. I started acting when I was eight. I started pursuing my career when I was sixteen. I started. Uh, I got my first job when I was nineteen on TV. I got doing my first what? I, on a show called Life and Times of Eddie Roberts with Rennie Templeton and Billy Barty. I played a pot smoking uh, ping pong player, and it was a guest star. Yeah. And I dropped out of college, community college, because uh-huh. I thought I was it. That's man. it. Oh, I, they're gonna. They, I can do this. And everyone feels that way when they work with Billy Barty. That's oh, it. yeah. This is yeah. it. I'm taking off. You were 16 working with the, I was like, the I was king 19, of the little people. 19. Well, uh-huh. yeah. Well, those were my people. Mm-hmm. Anybody that was disenfranchised, he loved me. He was so nice to me. He was yeah. Such, he was, and really, I don't know, you ever see him in W.C. Fields and Me? He was a brilliant actor. Yeah, yeah. No, he's great. And he was like, he, to me, wow, you know what this guy must have had to put up with to be who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lesson there. Oh, definitely. That really, that really stuck in my mind over so the years. When did you, when did you first start doing the comedy? How did that go? Was it at the I started at the comedy store. What year? It was 83. And I remember I went on stage, I wore a bathroom scale around my neck and I talked about being a fat kid. And I was so nervous. You and wore so a scale quick. around your neck. Yeah. 
And yeah. Mitzi said what? Well, uh, you're funny in a crazy way. You need to wear a hat. You need a funny hat. <laughs> That's what she said to me. And I was made and into- did a... you go out and get that hat? Oh, definitely. <laughs> she told me I needed to wear a scarf. Are you serious? Yeah. But together, we could be Truman Capote. <laughs> we should have done an act together, a hat and scarf. She would have fucking loved that. Oh, she would have, yeah. I never was one of her favorites. Well, I mean, but but she let you work. Yeah, she let me work, and I and I and I started following people like Sam Kennison and Carl LeBeau and Karen Haber. Yeah, I was. Uh, I remember all of them. I was a doorman in '87. Uh, I think we know each other and just forgot. Maybe. I mean, you know? I was a, I was a door guy for about a year in '87. I got I was living in Crest Hill, and I was I was caught up with Sam and doing a lot of blow. And I was a just I was a, just yeah. See, I wasn't a drug person. I was eating too much chocolate cake, and I was scared shit. Yeah, I was scared of all of you. Yeah, it was like being in high school again. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Uh huh. I would go and do my set and leave. You know, there's no girl factor for me. Yeah. So I to hang around and meet girls afterwards. You know, I didn't even really think about that either. I just wanted to hang around with like-minded people. I just liked hanging around with comics. I was scared shit. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and, and finally, it really you know around ten years after, it just sort of got to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been fired a couple times too for being gay. I remember I was. What in does that mean? Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. I was at the. I think it was called before you were out. Yeah, before. I remember doing my show and the guy said, and I even talked about being gay, and the guy said, I did two shows and I did okay. I remember I didn't kill, but I I got laughs and I was able to get through. It was only the opening act. And he said, we're going to have to let you go. We're going to pay you. It was like $300 plus the air. We're going to pay you and change your airfare, but you need to get out of here because there are people here that just want to kill you. Really? Oh, yeah. And this is what year? 85? This was uh, 85. And then I also got, I remember... um, Mark Johnson, I think he's passed away. Uh, I was a headliner, and this is when I was gay. This is around late 90s. Uh, I was headlining the Funny Bone in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, mm. and I was selling out. I was real. There was a time that I had three separate times that I was like selling out every club everywhere. Why? Because of uh, the Geraldo or because Yeah, of just a- different time. When I was on My Wife and Kids, I played The Shrink on that show in the early 2000s. I was on TV all the time. Uh, there are times, I, I, the other night I sold out at the Ice House. You don't know, now it's so different because we used to go there. You go into a town, you know, you do yeah. radio, you do TV. Yeah. I'd be on the cover of the gay magazine. I'd be in the pick of the week in their LA Weekly and I'd do their, their Los Angeles Times. And I, was, and I got on there, I did every single thing I could do. I was up, I get there on Wednesday, I do the show, I get there Thursday morning, I did the interviews, I do the show, get up in the morning, do more yeah. interviews. I was, I said, you want me? I'm there. And right. I learned to do it because I would, when I was in the middle act, I would go with the headliner and I'd be on the radio. Sure. So, because those at home who listen to your podcast probably don't know, you better have been good on radio yeah, or no, else they yeah. didn't fucking ask you back. <laughs> That's right. Because you, you, and I know they'd say, oh, Marin came in last week and he, he wouldn't talk. Yeah, yeah. I hear that all the time when I do radio. It's like, some radio stations are like, we're not doing comics anymore because they get up and they come in and they don't They're do funny. anything. And I said, and they'd say, "What are your? What do you want to talk about?" I said, "Here, give me the newspaper." And yeah, I, whatever, and I, let's go. And yeah, yeah, improv is my sure. gift. Yeah, I'm not Shakespeare. I'm not this, but I can improv about anything. And I do those shows, and I sold out everywhere. I mean, I remember the Funny Bones in, in St. Louis. They used to have a line. I used to do eight days of shows with Al Canal producing my show there. And oh, I got to call him again. He's doing he's doing the improv now in Colorado. He's uh-huh. a great, he's a great guy, just yeah. a great guy. Yeah. And and when I did Des Moines, I remember I, I was selling out. And I remember somehow I got on some Christian radio show and I pissed somebody <laughs> off. And they and Mark Johnson would not pick me up and until like 15 minutes before I, I would go on. Yeah. 10 minutes, five yeah. minutes. He the, the condo was like five minutes. Right. And I'm sitting there in the condo like a nut, ready to, 
waiting to be picked up and they wouldn't pick me up. And I called him. I said, what's the deal? He said, don't ever call and we'll pick you up when we're goddamn ready. And he hung up me on the phone. Now I'm, you know, having a little self-esteem at this moment, getting to the club. I said, don't ever talk to me like that again. He said, get out of this bar. And he, he, uh, he, um, uh, he said, I don't want to see you, your face. I did my two shows. I sold out, killed. And the next day I came in from the Sunday show. This is on Saturday night. He had fired me, gave me my check prorated, grabbed my arm and pulled me out of the club. That the- sounds personal. Oh, definitely. Do you think it was? You De- thought it- he did not like me at all. But it wasn't a, necessarily a gay relationship. Yeah, it was. You threatened C- him Because he told me. He told oh. me. Yeah, he, said, he, he had said it to me several you times. You made him uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know really what it was until years later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you work like I'm looking right now. I mean, you know, you've been on a lot of fucking shows, man. You mean acting wise? Yeah. 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 The, you, the big show that that changed everything acting wise probably a couple of years ago was guest starring on The Closer. Mm-hmm. That a guy named Adam um, Belanoff, who's a friend of mine, straight guy, who I who I'd known for a long time. Uh, I met him through a neighbor who... who uh, Luke Yankee, whose mom was Eileen uh, uh, Hackard from Butterflies Are Free, won the Oscar. I would go up to his apartment just to touch the Oscar. Yeah, she, he actually had the Oscar in a glass thing. Uh-huh. And him and his boyfriend would have these parties all the time. So I went up there and I met Adam Belanoff, and he was just the nicest guy. We we would have coffee, and uh-huh. became really friendly. And he was on the closer, and I called him. Like I call, that's how I got most of my jobs. Most of the time, people don't call you back, but you know, ten percent of the time they do, and you get and they call you back, and you go in and you read, and you you, you know they see, oh God, he can do something different. And I played a guy talk like this, who was sort of a Jewish kind of annoying, and I became the annoying Jewish guy. And then I got this job, and then all of a sudden I got all these other jobs being an annoying Jew. (laughs) You've evolved. You're going back to your roots. Yeah, well, (laughs) I think what happens is, is that you start to feel so comfortable in your own skin that you're not afraid anymore. You got range. You're not not pigeonholed, and you're not operating in that level of fear. Do you think that... You do think that the business is changing? You do feel that things are changing? I think there are people that know you differently. Like, there are people that know you just as the radio guy, and they probably don't know your stand-up. Uh-huh. And now you're going to do this show on, uh, uh, what is it? Um, IFC. IFC, which is going to be really, really, it's going to change your whole life. I hope because so. You're gonna so. Go, you're, because the independent film world will start to see you. Yeah, Whereas doing that's a, lot a of whole different person. That's a whole different group of people right. that don't go to stand-up comedy shows. They watch girls and they like all the mumblecore movies. And I do a lot of those movies. Yeah, so I'm in like that word, and they barely know my stand-up. Right, I do feel that. I mean, after doing stand-up for 25 years, and then you know, the biggest thing I ever did was this show in my garage, which I'm I'm very proud of. But Isn't that nuts. Well, it is. But like you know, I had let everything go. I, I'd really gotten humbled by life, and and then you know, I did this out of. Uh, just a desire to keep doing things. I didn't have a real agenda to it. And it is kind of weird when people go, I love your podcast. I'm like, yeah, but what about my stand-up? You're like, I'll actually go out and do stand-up and do well. And I got a lot of fans that come. And they're like, you know, as they're leaving and I'm selling T-shirts or whatever, they're like, I really love your podcast. Like, well, what about- And all you hear, what all you hear is you don't like my stand-up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I do Definitely. hear that. Yeah. So are you bitter? No, honestly not. Seriously, I'm not at all. I really feel lucky. I yeah. feel really, really lucky. So what's the frustration right now? Um, I think the thing is, is I'm at this point where I'm a certain age and I want to work with really great people. That's why, I mean, I really am, I've always been an admirer of yours as a comic and also as somebody who, um, there's a certain intelligence to everything that you do. And that to me is something that I wanted to be a part of. 
and I felt really excited about being on the show. So is now, it going well for you? Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> I was a little nervous because I, you know, you're. This is this is going through my fears of being in the big boys club. You know, with you guys. <laughs> You know, with you guys, oh boy! You know, I I see it that way. You know? I look up. Well, I got to be honest with you. I have always felt at different times in my life ostracized by those guys too. Believe me, I'm sure you have. I'm doing a show at the Laugh Factory a couple months ago. Yeah. Paul Rodriguez, who I've known since I was a kid. Yeah, since I was, I've known him forever. Yeah, comes over to me and says, "God, man, you are so funny." I yeah. said, "Well, thank you." He said, "Why haven't you ever made it?" <laughs> I said, what? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I mean, you never got a series. I said, well, don't recurring roles count? Or, he says, yeah. he I says, think you could have turned that question on him with uh, with some success. Oh, okay. but he's really, I mean, he's had like 10 series. He's done movies with Clint Eastwood. You know, I mean, I'm sure he feels, we all feel like we want to be in the next guy's shoes sometimes. And that's a, a very annoying thing about show business and about us as people. It's yeah, a guy it, thing too. Is it? I don't I know. Think Girls are pretty vicious, not man. Not in the same I, I, way. No, they'll, that's probably true. They'll I, go off. I can't make any move generalizations. To another, move to another country and be with a guy, and mm-hmm. we. No, you follow me, baby. <laughs> you, know, you follow me. Two guys together, dear God. You know, I got to get a little Latin boy who wants daddy to, to make it. That's the one I'm dating. Are now. you? Are you? I, yeah, I'm dating this Latin guy named Caesar. Uh huh. And is it working out? Oh. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds like you're doing all right. I'm doing okay. I I want you know you want to be. I mean, when I it's so funny because I would watch Louis and mm-hmm. I and I didn't know him really well because he's New York guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, for those, he's a pretty private guy too. But right? also, it's New York, L.A. Yeah, we don't really you know. And I, also, the straight guy. I stopped watching comedy a long time ago, and then I started watching it again recently because mm-hmm. I just I had to pull back. It was, it was, I didn't want to hear other people's material, mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. I didn't want that in my head. And I, st- in the last three years, I've been doing this sort of improv, freestyle kind of uh, changing my comedy so it's more who I really am, which I really never did completely because I didn't want people to know who I was. I was so private. And it, and it feels, so it's a heightened version of who I am. And and it feels better than it's ever. Is it felt. interesting though, because you know your your performance? It sounds like early on was always very exaggerated and very defined, but it, but you didn't see that as you being you. No, I felt like I had to stay. I had to do joke setup, joke, joke, joke. Oh yeah, well, that's and it. I had to be so, f- and I had to be funnier than everybody because if I wasn't, you know, they they you know get rid of me. And then there was this whole thing in the last ten years that's come through that you can be gay but don't talk about being gay so much. Don't use it as a crutch. I would love mm-hmm. someone to call Paul Reiser on the phone and say, you know, it's enough with the family and the kids. <laughs> talk about something else. We don't really give a <laughs> shit. You know, it's enough already. Jay London, I don't care that you look like a homeless person. Stop talking about it. Well, you, you know, know? There was, but there were some great guys who who were clearly gay and that were not that out for a long time. And I, I imagine. I don't know. It's like Mario Cantone. I didn't. I've never met him. We've talked on Facebook. Yeah, we know. We we know each other's work, but we yeah. we never really talk. So funny. Yeah, you know. So uh, Kay Clinton. He's out though, isn't he? Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. but he he officially came out. Right. You know, Mario did. Yeah, at one time people just didn't do it. They were they, people were frightened. Uh huh. People were. I think Jim it, David is also. He. I remember. Yeah. I was in. Mont- He's very. Funny. We were doing the Montreal Comedy Festival together, and he just and he had done his first Comedy Central half hour, mm-hmm. and he. I think there was a segment on where he talked about his boyfriend Mm -hmm. and he actually said, should I do this? We had this whole conversation. He was like really scared. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I don't know, there are times that he'll go back and forth depending where he is. I don't have this fear. I do what, I am who I am. That's it. I'm not, you know, as an actor, I can play straight. I can play gay. I can play old. I can play Jew. Jim schooled me once. You know, he like got mad at me. Did he? Yeah, because like, 
I, I don't remember what the the situation was, but we were talking. I remember vaguely we were, we were online to see a show, and you know I had suggested that like I don't remember what the setup was, and 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 I said, well, why don't you you know in order to do get something, I'm saying why don't you just gay it up, you know, and and uh, and I didn't mean it in any horrible way because I assumed that he was comfortable with it, but he said basically it's like, would you say that to Chris Rock? Would you tell him to black it up or do you know like that's he, so funny? But it's like I won't say who this this booker and is that's horrible because I, i'm probably going to go yeah. back to him but i remember there was a booker of one of the big talk shows i mean one of the top ones and he had gotten the job as the booker and mm-hmm. i said hey i'd love to do the show can i come and audition he says you can can you do it without being gay and i said well what do you mean he said just don't talk about it and i thought why i said that's who i am he said you don't have to not be who you are but and i thought man and this guy i'd known forever and it, it, it completely stopped me in my tracks and i actually stopped pursuing the talk shows because i thought i can't take this i cannot take this it's way too much and uh this is the year that i'm probably going to go back and see if i can do that in some form what do you think of the what do you think generation generationally speaking because you you know you talk about like sort of breaking the ground what do you see as the big differences between sort of younger gay guys and and, and your generation of gay guys um, in terms of how they move through the world? There's a couple of them that don't have the same fear. None of them seem to be able to get past a certain point, though. Uh, you know, they don't. They're not able to get past a certain point. Which it's point really, is what? There's nobody that's gotten to be a major headliner in the clubs. But I mean, just in, you know, culturally in, in life. I mean, like I once saw this amazing sketch, and I think I've brought it up once or twice before at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Uh, it was John Regi uh, had written it with He somebody. was a major headliner, wasn't he? Yeah, at that yeah, time? yeah. And he, he left before he came out. But he's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what his personal life is like, but he's a big writer and he's, you know, he's a very funny guy. But there was a sketch that I never forgot. I never it, heard that he was straight from anybody. So oh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know him. I never yeah. met him. Well, the sketch was basically he played, him and another guy played these sort of like, uh, probably a little older than, than thus, that generation of gay guys who whose entire being was based on sort of this over the top, you know, leather, you know, and the, sh- in, and the, you know, kind of like, you know, like completely sort of like in your face gay, uh-huh. to, you know, because that's, how they had to be in order to define the community at that time. And they were having a younger gay couple over who were just basically almost like Republicans. And it was just this sort of clash of... of it is gen- now. It is now in a sense, but not in the comedy world, but it is now in life. It is. I think they don't... It's not a big deal to them. Right. I mean, I have friends... And that's progress. I is that kids. progress? Yeah, I think I mentor kids. There's one kid I mentor. It's not an issue to him. And it, his issue is being fat. <laughs> you know? But he doesn't have an issue. But that is a, is, that's an amazing step it forward, changed. isn't it? It has changed. But I do think there's still a little fear. You know, I, I, I do... I don't know if you know this, but I, I do a show every year for the LifeWorks Mentoring Program, which is mentors kids between the ages of 12 and 24 for gay kids who uh, need to have someone show them the way. A lot of them don't know the history. They don't know what's going on, but I still think that they, I still think we're still second class citizens. What does it say to a kid when he sees that he can't get married or he can't get the same health insurance or he can't get the same rights or he can get fired from his job from where he lives or his parents can come out of his house or no one wants to talk to you. I think that's going to change, don't you? I think it is changing, and that's what the CNN piece was about. It's about all these celebrities, everybody from Lady Gaga to Brad Pitt to Barack Obama. I mean, man, when he said that, I was like, you know, you're my best friend now forever. Mm. You know, though I do love this president, I got to say, I, I'm a, you know, I, I think that he's done tremendous things for this country in so many different ways that people don't really seem to want to understand. I mean, if you just go to look 
and see what he's done. But that's a nice I agree subject. with you. I really do. But I think that he, by saying that, is such a big deal. Yeah. You know, things change when somebody of power says something. Words mean something. Living your life a certain way means something. You know, walking the walk, you know, taking the hits. When I came out 20 years ago, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I had to be willing to give it all up. And I remember, you know, God bless him, Jan Smith from from Igby's, who now is the booker at the Ice House, who just hired me to headline that room, you know, where I got to sell out and have fun. He was said to me, um, you know, I don't think you should come out. I'm not sure. You, you, no one's doing this. It's. You, I think you might really lose a lot of work, man. You know, and he's a little. He's an older guy. The Jags. Jan's probably around 65, 70. Uh-huh. And he, you know, and he now, but I mean, at the time, he was, he, you know, it was twenty years ago, and he was in his fifties, probably, and he was doing it because he cared about me. Yeah. You know, and he, yeah, and, he, and I was working at his club all the time. Yeah. And you know, it was scary. We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And we still don't. Yeah. I mean, do I get to walk the walk? I want to. I, you know. I want to be able to go to the next level. I want to be able to play someone's best friend on a show and not having being gay, the whole issue of it. Right. You know, when are they going to let gay people play gay people on TV? (laughs) Every gay couple on television is a gay and a straight guy. What does that say to everybody that says, Oh God, it's not really safe yet for us. We'll have too many opinions. Could you imagine two gay guys on a set and then you telling them when they're both actors, don't touch each other. Yeah. You have a gay guy and a straight guy. There's all these issues. If we were playing lovers in a show, yeah. you know the, the the issue would be you would get. Is Jason comfortable with me touching him? Does he think I'm coming on to him in real life? And I could say, if I'm touching you, do you think there's all these issues? But if we're two gay guys, we just do it. Yeah. Most actors, you know, you're on a show. You've had that experience where you're working with a straight man who who is. Playing. I don't play a lot of. Uh, Lovers and because uh, my author. my limited experience with acting in my own show is that you know people are just sort of like ready we're going to do it and then you do it yeah but there is there is the there is these inhibitions mm. you know that you have and you'll see when you act more when things like have you did you have girlfriends on the show mm-hmm. did you have to kiss anybody mm-hmm. and did you talk to them about it before a little bit yeah see because you want to make sure she was comfortable well yeah because you got to how am I going to kiss you how are you going to kiss me back right exactly that kind of thing well you would do the same thing with a guy right it wouldn't be how it it would be are we going to (laughs) right Okay. you know it's like if you played my boyfriend and I would come home I wouldn't kiss you on the cheek I'd kiss you on the lips yes you know I mean even Mike and Carol on the Brady Bunch you know kissed each other (laughs) right but I mean if you're taking that role you have to be willing to do that no you don't they don't do it yeah I mean, Modern Family, perfect example. There was an actual Facebook page on when are these two guys going to kiss? Mm. You know, and, the sh- and this is 2011, 2012. They had to wait for, for years because it's a gay guy and a straight guy. And, and a straight guy doesn't want to do it. Mm. Why would he? You don't think he, that was a network decision? I think it was probably a lot of people's decision. I thought it was a pretty big deal. Still, whereas you saw the, it took them three years to kiss. It did it. Uh, no, I don't know. You I, just it took said a couple that. years. Okay, yeah, I don't know how many exactly. But you saw the brothers and sisters show. Yeah, where the show was run by gay guys, uh-huh. and they were kissing right off. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think it's also people's comfort level. Uh-huh. You know, and they were watching just, or, or doing. Yeah, I both. think I think it's. Uh, and they say, well, the people are going to be offended. Well, there's the people that are going to tune in to watch it too. Yeah. So why do we? Why are we so concerned with the people that are going to be offended always? Because it's a numbers game. It's a bottom line thing. Yeah, but I think more people were going to watch it. Well, yeah, someone's got to do it to get people used to shit. Do you, you know what I mean? How it's, many it's, years are we going to practice? I, I know, I know, I'm but tired. but you know, so I mean, change is hard to to. Come I'd rather in. just play straight guys and kiss girls. It's easy. <laughs> I'd love to kiss girls on TV. So what? So is marriage in your future, buddy? I would love to. Are yeah. you kidding? Walk down the aisle. 
Caesar. Come on, straight people. It's 2012. If you let us marry each other, we'll stop marrying you. <laughs> That's my joke, baby. All right, man. So uh, so where can people see where you're, where, what you're doing? JasonStewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. And All the social media is on, on the page. Uh, and what's this? Uh, you do a podcast as well? I do a podcast uh, Tuesdays at noon on Radio Titans, which is also on the website. It just says Radio Show, which mm. I'd love you to come guest okay. if you want to. Okay. Uh, it's uh, an hour show. It's it's more- Where mine, do you do it? My, uh, we do it in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, and it's I can more, make that trip. Yeah, it's very close. It's, okay. like, it's only 20 minutes from here, if that. And it's, it's all about- um, uh, mine's called Name Dropping with Jason Stewart uh-huh. and it's all about famous people that you've worked with and stories about them uh-huh. you know things that I want to know about that you know what was that like what was it you know what I want to know what that whole thing with you and Louis C.K. I love that episode oh yeah 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 loved it because the same exact thing has happened to me uh-huh. you know you just hey man you know yeah. <laughs> you, you apologized to me five years ago don't you remember mm-hmm. and then you never called me to hang out or do anything is yeah. that really true between the two of you no I, it, we we you know I had him on the show and we you know we had sort of be, we, we were very good friends and we became sort of distant for different reasons. Uh, you know I was the one apologizing though. In, in oh, real. you were yeah. Such a funny episode. Yeah, I would I I I, I think that show is so brilliant. And there's something about it that's that's that, that transcends his comedy. But oh, I'm yeah. an actor guy. Yeah, I love acting more yeah, than yeah. anything. Comedy is is I, I know I love comedy, but I think comedy is limited in some form. Sure, it's you know because the, the, going for the laugh exactly. Yeah. And if they don't laugh, then you're you don't get asked back. But acting, you can do stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect. And that show, I mean, the whole the whole. Um, thing with uh um oh what's the girl you know the oh, parker posey you knew what i'm talking about that whole relationship was that yeah. just fucking brilliant yeah it's crazy i wrote a letter to dave becky and i said please send this because i've sent some stuff to louis i don't know if he answers his his uh, email the one he used to have but it's hard to get him to answer his phone really. oh is that it so he probably gets it and reads it but i was like blown away yeah that it was so cutting edge and so you know, interesting and different and, yeah. and, and gutsy, you know, and someone who, who claimed that he didn't want to act. Yeah. You know, he, he definitely he, got the hang of it. Well, he's also, he's also just exploring that side of him. Yeah. And I think that he's going to, I think he's falling in love. Yeah. That's what I see from his work. Yeah. 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 And he just did Woody Allen's movie. Yeah. Yeah. With Andrew Dice Clay. Which yeah. Which sounds fucking crazy. That's going to be good. I mean, I was like, man, did he, did he tell you about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, well, we'll he, talk about that on my show. Yeah, but I want to hear all that. And yeah. Dice told me, like, I, I had I Dice, did Dice in here. I did Dice. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, Entourage with yeah. him. Yeah, he's great. Just and he, he I met he's him. A character. I've known him. You know, twenty five, thirty years. He he forgets who I am every time I see him. Well, as a gay guy, how did you react to you know his early work? Um, you know, he's a comic. Yeah, I don't have a thing about that. Yeah, it's his responsibility. He sure. has to live with that shit out there. Yeah. <clears throat> he has to live with that. Yeah, you know what you say to people. I I have a responsibility as a human being. I know his was a character. It wasn't real. Yeah. He. I don't know who he is in real life because I don't think he knows who he is. I don't think he really knew who he knows who he was. I don't think he really. I think he just wanted to be a success and he did whatever he did and he just sort of fell into this and it happened and he went for it. I think that's true. I think he wanted to be an actor. Uh, well, not oh, definitely. Did you ever a... see him in Casual Sex when his career started and the couple things that he did? He was just great. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this one part of his show became this thing. Yeah. And it was so exciting. Yeah. And, you know, people don't understand out there. That doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah. 
that was like a phenomenon. Yeah. And they say, where is he now? What happened? Well, he's selling. He's still doing Vegas. He he's still making right. a living. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody, you know, even Madonna and Streisand and the sure. biggest stars are competing with themselves. Well, that's, it's a horrible reality of uh, of people is that they, they, they just, uh, they love when people fail eventually. They just, uh, there's something about this idea that like, eh, so what's he doing? I mean, what is anyone doing? You get an opportunity, you, you ride it out. And then hopefully you've, you've... You try not to make mistakes and you try to, when you're doing it, is you try to, you bring it to the next level. Right. And you, you and know? also you get to a, a sort of, uh, if you hit a plateau, you just hope that to God that you, you stashed enough to make it okay for the rest of the run, you know? I think so. Well, it was good talking to you, Jason. Oh, really nice talking to you. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Uh, lovely conversation. You can go to Crackers tonight, tomorrow, or Saturday uh, in Indianapolis, the Broad Ripple area. San Francisco, Palace of Fine Arts, April 13th. More dates coming up. Go to WTFPod.com. Check that calendar. Check that episode guide. Kick in a few shekels. Buy some merch. Got some new posters going up. JustCoffee.coop, always available. Get the WTF blend. I get a little bit on the back end. I'm very excited about things. I'm very excited. Very nervous. I, uh, oof. All right. I gotta get. All right. Okay. Boomer lives! <laughs> <laughs>